Hey guys, before we get started with the episode, I just have two announcements to make. One, uh, I have the Jibs Journal is out now. I send a weekly journal uh, through email every single week that covers uh, episode highlights, tips and tricks that the entrepreneurs in the show have gone over, um, and just other cool things that are happening. If you're interested in being subscribed to that journal, uh, the link is in the description. The second announcement is I've released a course. Uh, so the course is how to crowdfund for your passion project or side hustle. Uh, I crowdfunded over $65,000 in less than 90 days um, through my organization called Research Detroit. Uh, and the, the class is going to cover you know, the nitty-gritty details on, on how I did that, how I delega- delegated the tasks with my team, the templates, the samples. Um, it goes into full detail on how to run an effective crowdfunding campaign. Um, so if you're interested in taking that course, the link is in the description as well. It's just about getting up and doing it and like, you know, finding the time, finding the people and making it happen. You take control and you say, okay, this needs to be done and you do it. And you're never ready to start a business. You <laughs> just either, you either do it or you don't. Welcome to the Jibs Podcast, showcasing Detroit's movers and shakers, bringing you stories that reveal the gusto and grit that's long defined the city and its people. Together, we'll uncover the history and direction of the Motor City, one voice at a time. This is the Jibs Podcast with Jabron Ahmed. What's up, everybody? Welcome to episode 27 of the Jibs Podcast. I am here with the co-founders of Rebel Now, Amy and Diane. How are you guys doing today? Good. How are you? I'm good. I'm a little bit tired. <laughs> uh, so let's let's get right into it. What is Rebel Now? Rebel Now is a social enterprise that exists here in Detroit in Pony Ride for the sole purpose of providing employment to women who are transitioning out of homelessness. And how we do that is we create jewelry once it falls from graffiti once it falls off the walls in the city. And we're able to repurpose it into works of wearable art that are then sold and all the proceeds from that go to providing their supportive services, a livable wage, financial literacy, business education, life wellness, so on and so forth. And then with the end goal being that we are able to transition them within about two years of working with us into the traditional workforce. And how did that idea come about? Well, the idea really came about, I was living right next door to the shelter for many years and was walking my dog and having conversations with the residents. Um, And what I learned from them was that these were incredible women who left challenging situations in search of a better opportunity, not only for themselves, but for their families. Uh, And I was inspired by them, by their journeys, the sacrifices they were making, and realized that that they needed an opportunity in life. And then Diana and I collectively came up with this concept of, you know, well, first we were going to go in and teach just like budgeting classes, and then we thought, well, what if we could teach a woman to fish? What, is, what does that look like? Mm-hmm. I don't think either one of us knew about social enterprise, never even heard that was a thing. This was just a concept we had that really evolved from being neighbors and being, you know, she lived right around the corner from the shelter as well, and so um, yeah, that was this, really the genesis of it was how do we come up with a product that we can sell so it would provide employment and also all the wraparound services. Yeah, so. I mean, you guys cover a lot of different things um, as far as like training some of the women that you're housing or, or that are in, in the company. Uh, but how did that start? Like, did it start with training programs, or how, what did it look like in the beginning? In the beginning, it was very much. 
months. And the whole time we had the intention of eventually getting to a point where we could bring on team members. Um, but it really, we had to hone our craft and develop the product first since that's how we were going to sustain our, our business. Yeah. So, yeah, let's talk about the product. How do you, how do you learn to do something like that? I think that's a beautiful part of, of what we've created is we designed it with the intent of it being pretty teachable. And that's something I know that we worked on during that like you know, six month period when we were prototyping is how do we make something that, yes, is really beautiful and, and quality, but also won't be overly challenging to a woman that we hired who doesn't have the skill set. Um, so you know, we're able to give them a lot of creative freedom and a lot of input with every single design. Each piece is unique not only because of the cross-section of graffiti, but because of the woman who made it. And that's really like the first layer of empowerment that we offer, I think, at Rebel Yeah. So how long have you guys been around? Five years. Five years? Yeah. So in the past five years, are there any uh, people that you've gotten involved with or stories that you we're lucky to be a part of that really touched you, that really embodied what you think right now is? Yeah, I mean, there's been so many people that have, have touched us and kind of changed our perspective on so many different things. Um, there's a couple people in particular that stand out, one being Karen, who was one of our first hires, and she graduated from us pretty quickly, pretty early on, and she's um, really successful now. She's working in the in the field that she told us she wanted to work in when we interviewed her and we're really proud of her and whenever we see her around town it's really fun. Yeah um, she checks on us <laughs> regularly and this is a new space for us and so um, she came and checked on us a couple weekends ago during our open house. We keep in pretty good touch with all of our alums and I think that's uh, something we're really proud of but yeah to you know point out specific stories there's so many I mean, you were fortunate to be part of our Monday night check-ins, and I know you heard over one of our stories, and that's kind of a regular thing, is making sure we really are touching base and understanding what is, what are the challenges, what are you going through? I mean, we know like the 30,000 foot view of these challenges, but what does it really look like? Mm -hmm. And so you saw a glimpse of that tonight, and, and uh, I don't want to like specify her name specifically, because I know what she said was pretty, pretty personal, but you know, those are those are real struggles that she's facing and, and put your kids at risk because the housing opportunities aren't there in the city. Um, so, you know, those are that every single day there's something that that inspires us, that keeps us going. I mean it's not always we're always like sunshine and roses. There's a lot of this, a ton of this. We've had moments where we it was so hard we you just felt like you weren't making any difference. And um, I think the thing that always kind of resonates with us, though, is that while this is hard sometimes, our ladies are going through much more difficult situations, and they always approach their situations with the most positive yeah. attitude and, and knowing that they can get through it. And so I think for me personally, that's the most impactful thing is that with literally every single person that we've hired, they always have the most positive outlook on life, even when life, you know, is dealing them with some pretty difficult situations. Yeah. Mm. So, I mean, in, this, in these past five years, you know, like you said, it's not all sunshine and rainbows. 
Um, it's, it's a journey, just like every entrepreneurial journey. So can you kind of talk about the obstacles, trials, and tribulations that you feel like you faced um, in the past five years that, are, that really stand out to you? I don't think the podcast is long enough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's so many. <laughs> and there's still like every day there's something. Yeah. Um, I mean, oh God, I mean, at the end of the day, we're, you know, not to mention all the challenges that we get really involved in mm-hmm. on a daily basis with our women. You know, most employers are not like that. You know, your outside world does not impact your work life. Well, here it's very much intertwined and we created it that way. So that brings a lot of its own challenges and they carry that heavy burden of trying to solve those issues or thinking about them on the clock. But then on the flip side of that, we're also still a business. We have to, we have to sell our product in order to keep the lights on, to keep them paid, to keep all those things moving. And there are so many stresses that just come with that little, in, you know, in a regular organization, let alone this, where we are so entwined and, you know, you really take it personally. And, you know, it's a very heavy burden that we carry as we have families depending on us. I think on top of all that, too, like, we're still learning how to be entrepreneurs. We're still learning how to run our business. and trying to balance our own sanity. So it's it's difficult. Yeah, it is. It certainly is. And I think what I think I give us credit, that's one thing we're really good at, is that we are willing to learn. We are always willing to adapt. Well now it's very different now than what it did when we started. Even just from last year, we have so much different. Six months ago. Mm -hmm. You know, and and we're always evolving and we're very open to it and and we grow, and I think the other thing that I'm beyond proud of, and I can speak for both of us when I say this, is we have one hell of a team. And the amount of people who come out to support us and our mission and what we believe in is, uh, it's really humbling. And it makes us, I think, both of us like really proud of, of what we've created, not only as an organization, but as a culture. And how many young girls, like fresh out of college, say, well, how can I intern? What can I do? That means a lot, and it makes me happy for this and next generation. And they never leave. And then we are. Yeah, that's true too. That's true too. Everything, everybody who works for us started out as an intern. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Did you guys ever receive any? So I know a lot of social enterprises and a lot of nonprofits have received a lot of criticism because I know, I know. So like, I run a nonprofit too. So you, you can't solve all these problems, or you can't, you can't cover all of these people, or you can't help all these people. Did you ever receive any criticism like that? I think the biggest challenge we face is in this world of criticism, especially when we're approaching foundations and trying to get some help with funding and filling gaps, is when we don't have the numbers. We don't have the scale that, that, they, that would be of interest to them, and that's our biggest challenge because how do you scale while maintaining the culture? And doing the deep dive that we do, and we actually have an impact with the yeah. people that we're employing, not just trying to turn and burn. Right, and so there's a there's somewhere is a balance, um, and we we have always been proud of the fact that we go really deep. We don't hire a lot, but we come in and we go we go as much to the core and do as much as we can around it um, to tackle a lot of things that have been prohibitive in the past. We even go as far as like getting our kids into summer camps if we can, just because it gives you know the whole family that little camp a greater exposure. Um, trying to get them out of houses where they're living, maybe not safe neighborhoods, into um, safer ones. And so I think 
Yeah, and there's always, someone's always going to criticize you. Right, right. It's how you want to absorb it and counts. Yeah, I completely agree with you. I, I think, like you mentioned, you know, I was, I was listening. And I think it's really cool uh, to be able to see a company that creates a culture of like, inclusivity and such openness with their coworkers. And I mean, really, at the end of the day, kind of create like a family, I feel like, right? So how, how have you created that culture? And how do you, like, what kind of challenges do you feel like there are to maintain that culture? As far as creation, I think that's just naturally who, who we are and who we attract and bring on board. People who are just very um, inclusive, who are inquisitive of like what's going on in each other's lives and just generally supportive. And so I think the way that that culture formed kind of came naturally for us. It was just an extension of the personalities that we brought on board. I also think that, like, you know, I think we two of us at the top want that in life. Like we also maybe come from backgrounds or jobs where there wasn't the opportunity. We saw the flaws there. And I'm sure there are flaws in this way as well, but this is what we wanted and I think we we encourage it. And we have a very fail tolerant culture. And we want people to to be honest, we tell us if they did something wrong or screwed up in life, whether it be from product to just decisions they made and, and being an understanding and Talk to founders of companies, they're pretty open to wanting to have a conversation with you. 
Um, so what have you guys found to be true? I think for, for me, or it's certainly the, the latter. I think I, I think Detroit's been very supportive and welcoming, and everybody I've reached out to, and I said, can I please pick your brain? It's been very receptive and uh, allowed me to take them to coffee. So, and, and I hope that we do the same. I don't, I don't know if it's dependent, like your scenario on different industries. Yeah, that's a good point. For the industry we're in, social enterprise, there's so many issues to overcome in Detroit. And so I think, you know, what people have given to us and what we hope to give back in return is just that more supportive environment. And we're happy to share what we've learned because we realize that we can't solve all of the issues, even in this one area that we're trying to, you know, to work on. And so the more people that we can kind of educate what we've learned, I think the better. Yeah, and we are in a place where we're shut down because we have no one left to hire in the city. That would probably be the best. I mean, no company wants to say that, but that would literally be the best problem in the world to have. Yeah. So I, I hope we get there. That would be good things, right? Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't think anyone's been... I agree with you wholeheartedly though, on the industry. Yeah, I don't know if it's what it's like coming in for a tech company. I have no idea. Yeah, I'm sure. But I do know because I was at the Gus Awards for the GeneVerse Global mm -hmm. thing. And a lot of these companies, like you guys that won an award, like I've known about these people for a long time. But it's really cool to just see everybody in one place and see how supportive and open everybody is to just, just talking, yeah. um, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, okay, so do you guys have a favorite failure of yours in the past five years? So many. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Favorite failure. I mean, I, I, I know I brought up with the accounts again, but it was like, I learned so much from that. Um, we launched with the Indiegogo campaign and we raised $25,000 and we were so dumb the way we did it in the sense that I did it. Like we launched right in September, right towards the end of the year. Uh, we, we just had hired our first round of employees in December, so we didn't have any expenses really to offset that. So we got a huge tax bill for all this great money we had raised. Um, and so that was a lesson learned. Like I would have, again, would have talked to, should have talked to an accountant or somebody about that ahead of time to figure out the best way to do that. Um, but other than that, I think, um, I don't know if it's a, it's, it's part of a learning curve, right? I think also like, Especially serving the population we do. How do you keep yourself from taking it all in, like taking it all on, carrying it home with you, and, and getting so overwhelmed with the problem? Is it really? I mean, I think of our earlier days when we could barely function. At least I know I, I had a hard time separating. It was constantly on the phone, like trying night and day to solve the problems, and it, it was really taxing. And knowing that you're doing as much as you can and being comfortable with that when you go home and also recognizing you've got family and an extension like that they need you too, they need you to be present. So learning how to separate, um, I think was a good failure to have. I think my favorite failure was the entire year of 2016. Mm -hmm. We had a really difficult year. 
financially, emotionally, mentally, everything that you can imagine. We had um, difficult employees that we had to kind of figure out, you know, how do we want to structure our business so that way we can be more supportive of employees when they're in situations um, that we dealt with in that, in that year. I think that, like Amy was saying, we didn't have the balance that we needed between work and our own personal lives that year and just a handful of, of other things that kind of went, went down in that year was really a learning opportunity for us. And we came this close to shutting it down and we didn't. But because of that whole year, we restructured and kind of rethought where we wanted to be and where we saw ourselves in the next five to 10 years. And, and for that reason, we're structured totally differently and we're both so happy with where our business is right now. Just two more questions. Yeah. Uh, how did each one of you individually stay productive? How have you grown in the past five years? Like you said, you know, you're running your mound. You didn't know how to separate work from life. Or, uh, so how did you learn to do that? And now how do you stay productive, efficient? I'm <laughs> wired like a crazy person. I think I, I, I don't have a hard time being motivated and productive, especially if I'm in like a happy zone, which I am. In fact, I'm actually coming on board full time. Um, so even in the past five years, neither one of us have had the opportunity to do it. Um, and I'm gonna do it in August. So I'm I'm kicking it into like turbo gear and I think everyone's like, what is happening? Um, but I, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm motivated so much by what we do and I really believe that we we have a good model. I think we can replicate in other cities. I think we can be the next national accessories brand out of Detroit besides Shandola. Uh, or next to channel of an octopus. But anyway, what they've done to open the doors for Detroit is fantastic. But that's, I think, what motivates me in knowing that if we do that, the amount of women will be able to serve and help and to continue to get these graduates and to know someday we'll have this giant alumni reunion photo that we can hang on our wall of all the graduates would be, and that's what keeps me going. Yeah. She keeps me going. <laughs> <laughs> Time to talk with me, and for all of you, until next time, stay tuned.